Coming at you live from the progenitor to the Kung Fu Panda series, it's Cartoon Night in Canada. Hey, what you watching? Got a problem with cartoon? podcast where we dig through the animated past to find what cartoons made here in Canada are worth remembering. I'm your co-host Chris Lucy Antonio. And I'm your co-host Sylvie Kettles. And Sylvie, I want to take you back to a time in the 2000s. Oh god, those are dark times. They were always dark times, and the dark times extended to the 2010s and the 2020s. But, specifically, a time in the 2000s, and I want to know if you remember this, when martial arts, martial arts cinema, became kitsch, even camp, I would have like if I knew it at the time but I definitely took um Shanghai Nights and Shanghai Noon out from my local blockbuster more than once okay you really took the I'm gonna take you back to the 2000s very seriously yeah blockbuster references okay (laughs) I mean that's where I got them okay uh yeah there was a time in the 2000s when the the physical art of martial arts cinema was being exported to us Westerners here in the form of kind of kitschy comedies, usually starring Jackie Chan, who yeah. was the king of the box office in this decade. Yeah, it was it was just the easiest. He was he was extremely popular in Hong Kong already, so it was sort of just like a hey, do you want to just make some of those for us too? Several decades of successful martial art comedies over there. And, I mean, he was at the forefront, and I don't want to be completely facetious. We did have, in, like, the mid-2000s, like, stuff like... The early to mid-2000s, stuff like Hero. We had Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, But we also had stuff like Kung Fu Hustle in 2004, which which came from China, uh, to really underline the fact that Martial arts can kind of be funny. We had Shaolin Soccer, which was a huge export and became a big thing on the international film market. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of ran with that with the the Rush Hour series, the Shanghai series, uh, the underappreciated gem of a film, which I will never defend, uh, Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Wait, you, you will never defend? It's a gem, but you're not going to defend it? I'm very conflicted on that film. Because gotcha. I... That is a film I will watch clips of on YouTube that highlight all the best moments and remind myself, that was a pretty funny film. I'm not going to watch the, like, 75 minutes of its runtime and see all of the other ways it doesn't hold up. But, but this clip it's gonna is be a nice. Lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's how that film should be enjoyed, just in clip form. Um, yeah, we were experiencing a weird kind of boon of martial arts cinema here in martial arts cinema and media here in the west and there are plenty of people ready to exploit it yeah like i want to say it all died out around the time like i want to say around 2008 which was when ip man the donnie yen film started to get 
uh, played here in the West through like uh, physical media sales and the, the odd special engagement in theaters. And realize that there's a lot of artistry that goes into these films. And we, outside of the Kung Fu Panda series that started at the same time. Yeah, I was going to say that was around the same time. We began to, once again, respect the, the artistry of martial arts cinema. But there was a time in the peak of the mid-2000s when we were very ready to poke fun at all of its tropes, all of its uh, idiosyncrasies, all of its aesthetics, and yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a, like a case of not fully understanding like the, the history of the genre, like that kung fu or, or martial arts, because uh, every, every martial art was kung fu, hey, here. Mm, yeah, um, that's how that works. Yep, that's all of them, every single one. Um, but like martial arts comedy was like a subgenre but and the, the, a yeah, popular but that, one an extremely popular one but that was the, really the only one that americans cared about was like haha they they go flying across the screen and make the make the funny noise yeah that that kind of distills everything down into a we just do not respect international cinema still don't apparently still don't like that was it, it, it the that was the funny thing was like even though, like they were, they were bringing some uh, some filmmakers, like established comedic martial artists like Jackie Chan, to to Hollywood, and were like, "Hey, we're gonna make your movies," but over here, they didn't have have near the same respect for his craft. No, no, I mean, they took an editing team to his fight scenes. You yeah, don't do that. You don't fucking do that. They gave him enough, uh, to be fair, if you watch like some of the behind-the-scenes footage of Rush Hour or the Shanghai series, they gave him a lot of uh, leeway <laughs> in terms of he wants to work with his stunt team and he's a perfectionist. So he's going to do 50 takes of a simple little trick with a bow staff, and if he doesn't get it right, the film is off. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, God, Jackie Chan is like the opposite, the anti-Buster Keaton where, like, they're both perfectionists, but Keaton was like, I'm gonna do this trick once, and if it doesn't work, it's not that funny. Fuck it, we'll do another one. Yeah. <laughs> if this incredibly convoluted bit doesn't go off without a hitch on the first try, I'm moving on. Well, because the other thing there is that if the trick doesn't go off without a hitch, he might die. Well, same with Jackie Chan, though. Sometimes, yeah. I have seen uh, those police story outtakes. Yeah. Poor Michelle Yeoh being, like, thrown into traffic. Oh, no. The, one of the worst ones. Uh, now we're just talking about bloopers from uh, Jackie Chan movies. Uh, we'll get I to mean, the, the, the thing. We get to get we'll, to the thing later. Let's, we got, like, an hour. We'll get to the thing. But one of the worst ones is, like, from the blooper reel of Police Story 2. And Michelle Yeoh has to do a stunt where she drives a motorcycle through a couple of plates of glass. And... On film, in, in the film itself, mm -hmm. it looks great. It looks like she just cascades through it all beautifully and is completing control. And then you see the blooper reel, and she just has a huge gash on her forehead and is crying, and all of the stagehands are putting, like, towels to her head. Yeah. Rough. Looks great, though. Luckily, luckily, if you were just to animate all this... Everything's only in one take! 
and you would reduce the risk of injury. To my knowledge, no one died during the making of this show that we're talking about today. Thank God for that. Imagine imagine dying for this show. God. That would so not be worth it. Yeah. Anyway, should we should we just talk about the thing? Oh yeah, let's let's do the thing. This week on the program, we get into the crane position and go which was just comedy at the time, because we are taking a look at Chop Saki Chooks. Chooks? Right, yeah. I always I always kinda side eye this show title. It's like is that a, is that an Australian slang for something I shouldn't be saying? Nope, it's just chickens. It's just chickens. Created and directed by Sergio Delfino, the show was a surprising collaboration between the defunct Toronto-based Decode Entertainment, now under the pro-union arms of Wild Brain Studios. Fuck yeah. Always got to shout it out. Always got to shout it out. Uh, everybody follow suit. And, of course, why not? Legendary Bristol-based Ardman Animation, the claymation pioneers behind such films as 2006's Flushed Away and other things. That seriously? Seriously. <laughs> that no, that's the one you decide to name drop. Well, they made Chop Sucky Shoots uh, the same <laughs> year, so you know what? Yeah, that's the one I'm gonna fucking name drop. How fucking dare you? That's the only thing they're known for, right? Is that? Um, that Hugh Jackman rat comedy. My perfect boy, Gromit, does not deserve this treatment. He doesn't. I'm, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Also, The Pirates. There. They made a film See, called The thank Pirates. You. Thank you. There you go. An early man. Nothing? And, because the sequel just came out on Netflix, Chicken Run. Yeah. Yeah. We can put uh, so it in the tags. A, a big, a big, big company who are probably like the one of the few companies working today, along with like Leica Animation, who are upholding the art form of stop motion animation, despite how costly and inefficient it is God. for our current industry. Yep, but it's worth it. Even yeah. even bad stop motion animation is worth it. It's it's like bad pizza. It's still kind of good. Exactly. Just it just kind of works that way. Uh, but Airman Animation was experiencing a international drive to expand, like in the two thousands. I mentioned Flush Away, which was a co production with uh, DreamWorks, I believe. Yes. yes. And also, this was not the first. Uh, Chopsaki Chooks was not the first of their collaborations with Canadian uh, cartoon creators. There was a sketch comedy show called Planet Sketch. Never heard of it. We'll get to it eventually. Don't worry about okay. it. Okay. Uh, uh, but yeah, they were riding high and decided that Chop Sucky Chooks was the way to really break into the Western market. Oh, it's definitely their, their way of breaking in or testing out the waters of CGI. 
Yes, yes. This, this um, is not a stop-motion animated series. No, no, I, I guess I should be clear about that. This is absolutely not claymation. Uh, it's kind of... It kind of resembles it. Yeah, the... The, the, yeah. the character designs are absolutely Aardman work. Mm-hmm. But there there are definitely, like, a few times where, like, if you looked at a still frame, you might be able to convince someone that this is a claymation series. If you squint at it, you can trick yourself into thinking, like, is that plasticine or is that just ones and zeros on a computer? Yeah, the second, the second you see it move, it's like, oh, ah, yes, this is definitely CGI. Yeah, um... The show premiered in March of 2007 on Teletoon and Cartoon Network UK and concluded in November of 2008, lasting 26 whole episodes. For today's podcast, we picked an episode at random, as we are wont to do with shows we do not remember. And of all the lazy pun title episodes we could have landed on, we landed on Karaoke Zombies. Directed by series creator Sergio Delfino, written by J.D. Smith, and storyboarded by Benedict Lewis, Trevor Ricketts, Bob Richards, and Steve Beaumont. Original Canadian air date, November 4th, 2008. Chop, Saki Chooks. Oh, I just got, there's a pun, there is a really good pun in this episode. Karaoke Zombies? No, the the name of the karaoke place is Karaoke Corral. Ah, uh, true, true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Chop Saki Chooks, what are we dealing with here? Um, so it's, it's a, about a trio of kung fu fighting chickens who live and work in a city-sized shopping mall owned by their I, auntie. yeah. Yeah, that, that yeah. does not, uh, come through in these episodes. That was, uh, something, I, I didn't understand why they were fugitives, and why they were constantly finding storefronts to uh, to to have all these fights in? I like. I want to assume that this was part of a broader like anti-consumerism message that the show was uh, putting out. I would have to imagine, yeah. Because this entire show universe takes place within a shopping mall. I mean, I was watching this episode that we landed on, and I was wondering, like, where the hell is the sun? Turns out we don't need it. No, because this ent- like they live in a massive super mall and it doesn't really hang a hat on it and use it for any either com- comedy or criticism it's, it just feels like a dystopic <laughs> future where we all have embraced i mean it's a dystopic future where we've all embraced the sanctity of the shopping mall as our mecca and guess what malls are closing all across the yeah, country yeah i was gonna say this feels like the um the sort of dystopian future that would have come across come about if that um the the original like that that german guy who originally created the idea of the shopping mall this was oh my god is that why this was his vision is that why fish wasabi has a german accent oh you could be right i thought it was just because you know make nazi the villain yeah but who's gonna get that if that's the actual reason oh my god oh my god that's bizarre. That is bizarre. Uh, yeah. yeah, Victor Vic, uh, Victor Gruen. Yes. Okay. So he he was a uh, he was an architect. He was Austrian. Um, he was an Austrian uh, Jewish architect who came to America in uh, 
in in the 30s for some reason. Um, Who knows? No idea. But so he kind of envisioned the American shopping mall as basically an encapsulated society. Like he wanted it to be not just shopping, but like living quarters and like parks and cinema and like his, his ideal vision would be you will never have to leave this place. His ideal vision is Chopsaki Chooks. Yes. That's what I'm saying is Chopsaki Chooks is like a weird dystopian version of the original idea of the shopping mall. That's fucked up. That's, wow. Okay. I didn't know we were dealing with such a high concept. I, I don't think it was done on purpose is the thing. Because hmm. if, if it had been done on purpose, making the villain a Nazi is really weird. Oh, uh, yeah, Austrian Jew. Hmm. Far be it for me to critique the way the Brits portray people in their media. <laughs> I've only done it once, and that was on the Bromwell High episode, which, as we all know, held up very well. A perfect show, really. Ten out of ten. Another British co-production produced by Decode Entertainment. Yeah, what can, what can, what can we say? Eh, they were in the business of, of, of letting... British. Yes, that, exactly. Um, so yeah, you got, a, you got a concept here where these three, the, these three characters who are based off of uh, classic and contemporary martial arts archetypes... You've got uh, Chucky, Charles Chucky Chan, who is, he's, they say he's named and based off of Jackie Chan, but, like, his first name is Charles, and Charlie Chan is right fucking there. Um, and, and Jackie, and, like, Jackie Chan has never played, like, a wise master figure in any of his films. Like, this is, this is definitely a, hey, your British is showing. Um, we'll because, get to that in the yeah, cast. We'll get to that in the cast. They can say he's based on Jackie Chan all they want. This is absolutely 100% a Charlie Chan. Um, you've got K.O. Joe, who is based on uh, Jim Kelly, the star of a number of black exploitation films. Specifically, I believe uh, what he's what they're modeling it after is his performance in Enter the Dragon. 100%. Uh, fighting against uh, Bruce Lee in a martial arts classic. So... They're, they're, they're drawing on, like, some history of a genre to show, I guess, some respect towards it, but... Again, I'm not sure if respect is the goal here. It might fall into that category of what was in vogue at the time, which was just ruthlessly poking fun at, you know, films from 30 years ago, saying, isn't it silly how things were back then? Yeah, this is, it's one of those, like, hey, if we make fun of the thing that was that was silly 40, 30, 40 years ago, um, then it might wrap around and uh, be both, like, uh, mocking and affirming. I, don't, I, I get it. Like, the Shaw Brothers films, they're, they're, there's a little bit of camp to them in how over-the-top they can be. Like, stuff like The Five Deadly Venoms, it seems a little outlandish to our, like, 2024 eyes, but... I watched it two years ago during some bout of COVID I had, probably. And it's an incredible martial arts film. Okay. I'll, I will yeah. have to take your word for it. But I yeah, believe I, you. I don't, I, I don't understand. Like, th this, 
while, while I will, while I do find like, a lot of, like, say, Kung Fu Hustle very funny in Shaolin Soccer, which is knowingly poking fun at the tropes of the genre from, like, a, from a place of respect and admiration, stuff like Chop Saki Chooks feels like they're, they're doing a very lazy approach to a genre and not fully committing to it. Yeah, that, I mean, that could be. Yeah, anyway. Um, the, uh, the third member of our of our trio is Chickadee Chickpea Powell, um, who is based on uh, Lucy Liu, specifically. Um, which, granted, around this time, like, she was, she was coming off of, um, like, her run in Kill Bill, in Charlie's Angels. Uh, she had, I think specifically this name might be, like, calling out her her role as princess pepe in shanghai noon uh-huh. let's say about that the better uh-huh um but but yeah so so these are these are our heroes and they are fighting a german wasabi bean dr fish wasabi i don't i don't get it like i'm really confused about this concept of wasabi world as this like mall city where they all live in so he like he's both like dictator and also mall cop yeah and also a piranha uh, yeah i don't understand what he is like he's he has a yeah he, like, he like like i'm i am told he's a piranha so so that's that would be where fish comes in but then why is he why is he also wasabi? We just needed an Asian sounding thing to name him after. I guess. You you know that's right. I yeah. It's still I just don't get it. No, I don't understand it at all. Uh I also don't understand like cuz I know at the time the mid 2000s like we liked super teams in our children's shows. Mhm. And Chopsaki Chooks, like, this is just another superhero property when you really boil it down. And so they... It's just worse Ninja Turtles. Worse Ninja Turtles, absolutely. And so they are fighting against a Shredder figure in Dr. Fish Wasabi in this... I'm really stuck on this city-sized shopping mall. It's a shopping mall. mall. Yeah, that, that, that is really hard to come back from. I, I guess entire... it also does uh, lend itself to sort of the episodic nature of the show where like every every time you want something new you can just plonk a new shop front you know what yeah that's that's probably how it goes and because every every new shop front leads to new props for them to use in combat yeah and every new shop could potentially be a front for one of dr wasabi's evil schemes to (laughs) destroy the chooks once and for all As, as they always are yeah, I don't... Mm, I'm very hung up on this concept. I, I just feel like we... This one sampling is really not enough, but I don't feel like any of these episodes are going to go into any form of backstory. Yeah, because... I don't... No, no one episode of this show is really going to fill the void. Absolutely not. Um... They will not give you the answers you seek. <laughs> they will not heal your heart. So you, you're saying... You will be left with more questions. So you're saying episode 20, Chooks of Hazard, isn't going to fill in all those blanks? No. What about episode 25, The Codfather? That one might. 
Oh, okay. I'll uh, I'll queue that up on YouTube. Just kidding. Just so Absolutely not. Great. I'm happy about that. Um. So yeah, as I was saying earlier, this feels like part parody, part tribute towards like the martial arts film genre, but I, I don't feel it's like knowledgeable enough about that genre to make any to, to make any coherent jokes or do any kind of respectful or even interesting or funny homages to the genre that's the thing too it doesn't feel like it was made by like people who really love the genre it kind of seems like the kind of thing that like someone like like i could come up with some of these because like it's coming from i've I've seen a handful of martial arts films i absolutely do not have a grasp on the history or the genre to write a compelling homage Mm-hmm. But I can fuck around. And that kind of feels like this is what it is. Is like, yeah, we've, we've all seen a handful of those. So we're kind of throwing our combined knowledge together and hoping it's enough. It's like the people at Airman Animation watched one of those. I don't know if you remember, if, if you know about these or have ever seen them. But there are like, like a DVD series put out by the Wu-Tang Clan of them, like, like an hour long bowl session of them talking about like their favorite scenes from martial arts films and they play some of the scenes using their music over it i've absolutely not seen these but i believe i i believe that it feels like you are using something like that to absorb this genre that has a decades like several decades of history behind it where all of these archetypes all of these tropes all of these uh storylines were built organically out of a market demand for these kinds of films. And then something like Chop Sucky Chucks is like, well, we can just make it funny. Yeah, we just we just pluck the silliest bits that we can find. Good chicken fun. Oh, I definitely meant it. Yep. Don't, don't take, take your victory. Yep. <laughs> and comedic genius. There you go. Uh... Yeah, I'm just a little confused on, like, who exactly this is for. Because I know for a fact, let's see, 2007 was this? So 2007, I am the ripe age of 15, 14. I I absolutely knew who Jim Kelly was. 100% no. I I could not name you any film directed by Chang Che. I had no idea the the difference between Wu-Tang and Shaolin styles. Mm Mm-hmm. This this feels like so out of place. Like they're like they were desperately following a trend, hoping to get a hit to establish themselves in the Western market, and this kind of just fell on its face. Yeah, like I I can kind of see why it wasn't successful. It was kind of like hopping on that that early two thousands martial arts comedy bandwagon a bit too late. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was too early. If it had come out like a year after. They could have ridden them Kung Fu Panda coattails. Because, yes. like, the Kung Fu Panda ser- TV series wasn't out yet, so it would have been easy to just go, like, oh, my kid likes Kung Fu Panda, here's this other, that's Kung Fu, right? Let me just put them in front of this for, for 20 minutes. Literally, no, we have Kung Fu Panda at home, and you put on Chop Saki Chucks. Yeah, Chop Saki Chucks is the Kung Fu Panda we have at home before Kung Fu Panda came out. Yeah, but it's the the problem here is like this was released in a post kung fu hustle world when like the martial arts comedy 
for Western audiences was kind of perfected. Yeah. We, it had been nailed. We didn't need another version of this, specifically from from a claymation company that was, I don't want to call it desperate, but really trying to lay down some groundwork and some roots in like the Western colonies. countries. Exactly, yeah. They were really, trying to... really trying. And that's interesting because, like, I know they, they still haven't had, like, the monetary success that I think they were looking for. Um, but there definitely is a more widespread appreciation for Ardman Studios animation now. I mean, the outpouring of grief that happened when it was, like, erroneously reported that they might run out of clay. Yeah, because their their normal supplier ran out. There were people were heart. I was heartbroken. And then they were like, no, 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 don't, don't worry, we, we have another supplier. Yeah, like, it shut down in, the, the, the factory they were using shut down in, like, March 2023. Yeah. And they purchased enough to make, like, a film, like, a Wallace and Gromit film coming out this year, apparently. Mm-hmm. And then everyone just assumed, after that news story broke, it's like, oh, they're done forever now. It's like, no, we can find other companies to make <laughs> there, clay for us. There, there is more clay in the world. Don't Does the world still have more dirt? We can make clay. <laughs> we will find a way. God, I, I just know that there are going to be uh, snobs who are going to, like, like take microscopic looks at the difference in clay quality. Like, difference oh, you, in clay. Like, there are going to be people who are like, you can totally tell that the, the grade of clay isn't as good in their later work. You know what? Yeah, I can I can absolutely imagine that Reddit post right now. Yeah, I, I can see it. It's being typed out as we speak, and the movie isn't even out yet. Yeah, I mean, if if all else fails and they do run out of clay, they can go back to uh, their roots in Flushed Away and move back to CGI where they belong. How fucking dare you? What? We have a great example of what they are capable of doing with CGI animation right here in Chop Sucky Chutes, which is rely on a Canadian company in Toronto to do most yeah. of the work for them. Yeah, <laughs> That's, that is that is literally it. We, we didn't uh, mention it yet, but uh, this is something that we absolutely have to put into the podcast. When I suggested this and to Sylvie and told her that this is a Ardman animation uh, production, we both then immediately went to their website, the official Ardman Animation website, and found out that there is no reference to this show at all on it. Yep. They don't want to want you to know that they that they worked on Chopsaki Chucks. They have memory hold this from their uh, prestigious filmography. Uh, I did double check. Flushed Away is still on their website because, of course, I it was is. just about literally to do that, like uh, just to make sure. Uh, yeah. Is it just the CGI productions? Like you don't want to uh, claim, but no, nope, nope, it's there. It, it's there. Arthur Christmas huh. is there, which is a good movie. I've never seen it. I like that movie. I think it's a pretty decent Christmas movie for someone who does not care for most Christmas movies. Ringing endorsement, I know. You- you gonna come into my house and talk shit about Muppet Christmas Carol? No, I said, like, I don't care for most of them. Okay. That's one I care quite a bit okay. about. That's okay. a great film. <laughs> just, just had to be safe. All right, so what's happening in this episode? Um, so in his desire to, uh, once again, get the, get the chooks out of his mall, or, what's, what's, what's 
what's his uh, beef with the chooks? Well, he uh, Doctor Wasabi poultry. runs with the poultry. Sure. Uh, the no, not beef. I'm gonna let that one sit. I'm gonna let that one sit. Okay, <clears throat> I, I need a moment. Wasabi World is his creation, and he runs it with an iron fist. And the radical kung fu escapades of the Chopsaki Chooks uh, kind of get in the way of him doing that. How? That's about it. How? That's all you get. No, they're just uh, they're 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 going around and protecting the people by uh, karate chopping things. Is it just that they're like too cool? I have no idea. Like they they because there's this little thing little hint of a conflict that is pushed in the opening of this episode where the chucks don't know whether they are public defenders or public menace there's like a news report that says this yeah like it kind of see because what i got from this i was kind of under the impression that they're that they're vigilantes who are actively working to dismantle wasabi world doesn't come across in this episode yeah yeah, okay, so the, the plot is, in order to get rid of the, the chooks is that Wasabi opens the karaoke corral. They they go to check, and it's free. It's free karaoke, so everyone in the mall goes to check it out. The The chooks go to investigate. Um, Chucky, is he's sing real bad. So, so Chickpea and third guy... K.O. Uh, they, they like, plug their... They put in earplugs so that they can't hear Chucky singing, uh, which is good because then the speakers switch to a mind-control subliminal messaging that uh, turns the entire crowd into zombies. And guess what? You didn't think we would reach it, but yes. No matter what program came out in the 2000s, everyone had a mandatory zombie episode. Yep. And it usually was through some sort of subliminal sound. No, because you can't really depict them devouring the flesh of another character in a program for kids. scary. Yeah, you don't want that. Uh, so yes, it is a subliminal message that is that Wasabi is sending out to further control his subjects. Uh, so I don't, I'm, again, just hung up on this. He's, like, the supreme leader of this place. Is he, like, he's a dictator? Or is he just, like, owner of this mall? He's a dictator CEO. Dictator CEO. Okay. Um, why would... Because he already runs this place. He has all the power. Yeah, why would... Why would think... he need to mind control them? Because I don't think that people would willingly murder the Chucks for him. Okay, so yeah, it just folded back into this supposed ongoing plot of the Chooks versus Dr. Wasabi. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. This is... It's not exactly confusing, I just feel it's not explained at all. I don't know. We should have maybe... Should we have watched the pilot instead? Like... No, from what I can tell, the pilot is not any more, like, revealing or ha have any, like, exposition. It's just about uh, them entering a video game. I, this, this show strikes me as very much like a, no plot, just don't, don't ask questions. Nazi piranha evil, kung fu chooks good. Like, and I, and I'm looking over these episode lists, and it doesn't seem like there's anyone based off of, like a classic martial arts plot. 
No, because, I mean, at the end of the day, they're they're making it for kids who have never seen a martial art other yeah, than but that's the best... soccer. And, uh, probably. But that's the best thing about it is that you can just do those plots over again and have it all seem fresh to kids. Like, mm-hmm. they have absolutely n- no idea that you're just ripping off five deadly venoms. Yeah, I don't... I, I think that, again, comes back comes back to, like, I don't think the people making this show themselves had seen a lot of martial arts movies. I mean, it, it's all in the title there, which is just, it's just a pun, like, Chop Saki, Chook, Chop Sui, it, it's all going for that, but, like, Chop Saki itself is kind of like a derogatory term for martial arts films. It, it is, yeah. Like, Variety invented it, like, when uh, some film in, like, 1979 that was exported here got really popular, and so, like, all these Chop Saki films, which, you know, Chop Suey, but Sock as in Punch, <laughs> because they're... Because their film's coming from Asia. And that's where Chop Suey is from. This is something that you've heard of, random person in L.A. Again, just, like, side-eyeing this show title, like, Chop Saki Chokes. is like, oh, is that like a Looney Tunes cartoon from 1939? <laughs> no, oh, from, from the 21st century? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think... And then you look, it's like, oh, from Britain, got it. Yeah, yep. Makes sense. <laughs> that was... God, were you uh, present for any of... There was some um, tension between the Brits and the rest of the world, briefly. It might have been, like, a year ago. A little less. You're gonna have to... You're gonna have to narrow it down. Okay. Uh, where someone... a, a uh, An American-Asian content creator found out that it's common in... Uh, in Britain to refer to, like, if you're ordering out, to just refer to the nation of origin of the food that you're getting as a noun. So they found out that, like, if if you're ordering Chinese food for takeout, you're, you're having a Chinese. Mmm. And she was like, mmm, that's, mmm, that's weird. Why, why are you doing that? Um, and, like, everyone in in the uk being like what no that's normal we say we're ordering an italian too like it's totally normal you don't get it it's not racist also like not only is that a little weird uh for the racial aspect but you gotta watch yourself if you say that around a QAnon believer they will like take you down oh yeah (laughs) oh my god yeah like oh my god you're you're ordering children by their by their nationality getting a smorgasbord of spirit cooking that's that's a term they use i don't know uh yeah that's weird that is absolutely weird and i like i don't want to come to them too hard on chop sucky jokes we will when we get to the cast we yeah like absolutely will absolutely not as bad as it could have been i think a lot of decisions were just made pretty thoughtlessly Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean like it's the kind of thing where like if you had just paused if, if, I think if anyone on this staff, like, really loved the genre that they were homage slash mocking, they wouldn't have made a lot of these decisions. No, and, like, you could have showed a lot more respect to the genre, and, like, there's so much more opportunity to, like, uh, do something interesting with it. Like, you have an entire history of actors you can pull in for, like, a role here, a role there, just, like, as a fun guest star. 
Yeah, and that's... Th- this just isn't that kind of show. No, no, it, it doesn't care that much. Yeah, they're just, to... they're just trying to be silly, silly, funny, ha-ha, riding on this semi-popular genre right now. Yeah, it doesn't have much of an identity. I mean, I mean looking, like, just talking briefly about the look before we finish off the plot, um, you said that, like, if you were to kind of, like, take a screenshot from this and kind of, like, look at it, like, at, like, a 480p screenshot, it's like, is this stop motion or is this CGI? Yeah, you can because, absolutely trick yourself. Because, like, the, the model work here, it's all, uh, obviously CGI figures, but they kind of look both like vinyl figures and maybe they could be made out of plasticine. Maybe. And, like, everything else, because, like, this lives and dies by the fight scenes, which there are a couple in this episode, and they're smooth. They're yeah. well. They're well directed. Uh, Airman animation and decode. They know their way around a good fight scene. Yeah, and the, the choreography is no, fun. Yeah, they know how to move their characters in space. And yeah. the the big drawback of the show in its look is that this um, Chinatown esque mall that they're all living in is not very interesting. Like it could have been so much cooler. This is like this should have been like some grungy neon shit. I'm saying this mall should be Blade Runner, but hey, I I would not object. I would not object. That sounds fun. Yeah, but like it, it's like they couldn't, or they wanted to instead be like it, oh, it's like a modern shopping mall. So it's all that very bright, uh, kind of kind of flat lighting. But it also has like skyscrapers, and it's it's very confusing. Yeah, the, like, I don't like know how they... this world works. It's like they had a bunch of different ideas for the aesthetic of this mall, and they couldn't really commit to any one look, so they just didn't. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a little unfortunate. Like I, I, and I, I also I just don't think that the color scheme of the show is anything to write home about. It's very bland. It's it's okay sometimes. There's a lot like dependent on what uh, scene you're looking at. There's a lot of light blue and gray just yes i mean get, lathered it, again, across the screen shopping malls it's it's classic linoleum floors and like that sort of bland um, almost teal that's supposed to put your psychologically put your mind at ease and make you more likely to spend money capitalism is nefarious but i feel like even there there is opportunity for more humor or more ideas to come out of it like you're you're living in your entire universe is based around a mall for this show a lot of things you can do around a mall and mm-hmm. outside of like oh no a new store got put in by dr wasabi be it a arcade be it a beauty salon be it a uh, karaoke bar that's about it what was that video game where it's a zombie apocalypse in a mall dead rising yeah Dead Rising did a better job of that vibe. Oh, like Dead Rising, like did a better job of like paying tribute to a genre of film, the zombie genre, through its like various plays of the archetypes that were built out out of it. Like this is so. Like I I did not hate this show, but it's just so nothing. Yeah, like I couldn't even I could absolutely not bring myself to be annoyed at this show it was just sort of like ah, fucking britain's gonna britain and most of this episode is just the characters running and screaming yeah that's a good 12 minutes of this uh 22 minute uh length episode is just them running away from zombies 
Uh, this this episode did have a single solitary joke that that made me laugh. Um, there was one like visual bit when they're running and screaming that I liked, where like Ko Joe runs up to the to the the camera, quote unquote, and just mm-hmm. like physically grabs it and scre- like looks in the camera, screams, and just shakes the camera. Um, that's just a fun little visual gag. But the the one joke that I actually liked at the very end, where Chucky Chan just says that I was going to do New York, New York. <laughs> it's not bad. It's, it's uh, pretty funny. Like, yeah, like that's that's just a good karaoke joke. And that, that's a, that's some character development there. Like that's like that's something. Uh, my favorite joke is uh, the test card F joke. Do you not know what test card F is? No. Uh, it's a test card, like, as in, like, for a broadcast, that the BBC would use. It's kind of infamous for how, like, fucking scary it is. Oh, okay. It, yeah, it's a little girl playing tic-tac-toe, and there's just this, like, creepy clown doll next to her. Yeah, yeah, what the fuck? And they use, and they do it in this episode for, like, when, uh, Dr. Wasabi, he cuts the feed for his big announcement about the, uh, karaoke corral, and they cut to a Wasabi TV test card, which is just this image recreated. And I thought, like, that's that's a fun gag. I'm, I'm, I don't know who's going to get that. I, I know I didn't get it at 12, but like, I mean, that's, that's a fun gag. That feels like it would be a, a gag for the British audience because, you know, yep. co-pro. Does not cross the Atlantic, but totally fine. It would be near the beginning, eh? Yeah, after he makes the announcement and uh, Bubba, his giant ape, servant cracks open his dome to release the steam right that okay no that also was a good joke too where like because he's he looks for the um like he gets the sign that says in emergency break glass ah yeah that's that's a pretty good joke and so instead of instead of breaking the emergency glass he breaks the glass tank yeah oh one other thing instructions unclear killed my boss what (laughs) <laughs> another thing i like about the visual style is the uh the shadow play segments yeah i, I think that's a, a nice bit of stylization that this show desperately needed uh and points where it's due like that was the most i was engaged the entire time yeah when it's when it's something like oh that's that's something i've never seen before it's something interesting to look at it's something it, it pops yeah, more of that. Honestly, more of that. But most of the, mostly, it's just these long. Most this episode is consisted like, sorry, composed of mostly these long shots of the three characters running away from the zombie hordes. And I mean, granted, maybe once again, maybe we just picked a bad episode because, like, this is an episode where there's a lot of crowd animation work that has to be done. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe it was just harder for them to get creative with their with their shot composition because they're like, oh fuck, we gotta fit like seventy more zombies in the frame. Yeah. It's 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 fine. How how do the Chooks foil wasabi in this one? I think they use uh Chucky e. Chan's bad singing. Yes. Uh, yeah. They do that, and they also steal his microphone away, which is how he's controlling all of the chooks. After fighting some ninja monkeys, which are, like, the putties of this series. Yeah, the Foot Clan. 
They're the Foot Clan. They're the putties. They're like uh, your like level one beat 'em up baddies. Yeah. God, sorry. I immediately after like watching this episode in preparation, um, I did make the mistake of starting to watch Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Hmm. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So I I did like. Oh hey, here's this here's this uh, martial arts film uh, show from two thousand and seven. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the few times that the algorithm really worked. Yeah, or maybe it didn't because it it immediately showed you like, hey, I saw you just wasted your time. How about this instead? I'll do anything yeah, uh, for my idiot sons. Perfect. A uh, little underwhelmed by this show, but uh, no real ire towards it, no yeah. anger. Uh, like Airman was doing their best, Deco was doing their best. Everyone's just just trying stuff out. If, if, if this show holds a special place in your heart, I will not hold it against you. Look, sometimes when a trend is being defined, you gotta jump on the bandwagon. And when you do that, you're, you're dooming yourself sometimes. It's just a just a just a weird little show. Now let's get into the f- the best conversation, the the, <sighs> the most fun thing we could talk about, mm-hmm. the voice cast. Uh, for the most part, we're doing fine. Yeah, I um, I think the majority of this cast that we see in this episode, great. Yeah. No um, complaints. Yeah, we got as as uh, chickpea. We've got Shelley Longworth. Um, this is, this is an interesting episode because it's the first time we get to talk about, like, some actual English actors. Um. Outside of Bromwell High. Yes. Oh, that's true. Um. I won't let you forget that show. Oh, God, I'm trying. I won't let you. Go on. Uh, I think the only thing that she was in that I've seen was Burke and Hare. Oh, God, I forgot about that movie. Yeah. That was that was definitely when I went down my like I'm gonna watch everything Simon Pegg was in. You do this with a lot of Brits, don't you? I do it with a lot of actors. When I'm when the Who mood did... strikes me. Now why do I know why why is that movie title Birkenhair so familiar to me? Hang on, you can keep going. Yeah okay. Oh, uh, as um. I... Oh, it was directed by John Landis. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah. Okay, go on. Um, so as K.O. Joe, we've got uh, Patterson Joseph, another British actor. I think I think I like his performance the best. I think he's the VIP of this uh, show. Yeah, I... he's, he's the standout. He's, he is a stage actor who also uh, dabbles in television and film and voice work and lectures and writing. He's jack of all trades. And um, here, as a K.O. Joe, he's like real—he's really playing up the um, '70s jive-talking kind of black exploitation star. Yeah, he—he he got the joke, and he's owning it. It—it yeah. it genuinely feels like a loving tribute to a past genre. Like this is well informed, and he is really living it up. Yeah. Um. He also—he uh, was in the. Uh, I assume. The British version of uh, Murdoch, of like what Murdoch Mysteries is to Canadian soldiers, Doctor Who, it, it actors. That was a weird slip. Um, hey, they are soldiers. They're, for the, God, they're braver than the U.S. Marines. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, Got them. 
he uh doctor who is to british actors what murdoch is to canadian yes. actors yes um so he was uh, so, so, sorry yeah. lad you can't uh, you can't uh, go to the stage today you got drafted for doctor who exactly they want you for three thank, episodes. God, thank you for trying to salvage that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he he did two episodes of uh, of New Who. All right, New Who. What are, what are, what is? Oh, that's that's the Doctor Who series that was rebooted in two thousand and five. Okay, so that's not actually like, the latest one. That no, is the... that's that's just the nickname given for like anything post like nineteen nineties break. There's been a lot post that so is it all new yes <laughs> all right God, i've not seen a get, second of doctor who get up to date with your super who lock i won't and never will and that's a promise and i the okay there was like a weird uh connection with some of these actors that i found no it was only i think th- two only two of them have like a neil gaiman connection <laughs> where like he did uh a, some bbc radio adaptations of neil gaiman stories and um the the voice of wasabi paul k he's he's briefly in good omens ah okay yeah so uh paul k the uh nazi piranha wasabi hmm interesting you just uh skipped one of the chokes and go straight to the villain but okay yeah, no, there must no. be a reason for that <laughs> funny funny that uh but yeah he's so he's a uh british comedian actor um he's also like he's had like some uh some hollywood i'm not gonna call it success he was an agent cody banks too you don't consider that success i don't know would you high standards for you my god like that's that's the peak <laughs> that's the pinnacle of the art form uh, but yeah, he was he was also in a couple episodes of Doctor Who. Of course, you, yeah. you gotta you gotta pay your time. Um, the the front was, needs you. He was also in uh, Game of Thrones, but you think I fucking remember who Thoros of Mir is? Oh yeah, Thoros of Mir. Yeah, yeah. He um, something with the White Wall. He did, and Jon Snow was there too. I I saw that series. I I remember everything. Okay, I know you're lying. Because the first, what? No, the, I sound very convincing there. The first line of this character's description is, uh, he's a red priest of R'hllor. I have no fucking clue who this guy is. He was in ten episodes, and you'd think I'd remember a goddamn second of it. So, for his performance in Chopsaki Chucks, like, he is really, uh, putting on the, uh, Nazi voice. Yeah, we'll just... he's, he's doing a bit. It is a full-on, um colonel clink from hogan's heroes like he is yeah. it, it's a it's a really campy throwback that i think works very well for this character uh it, it like you said um patterson got the absolutely got the joke and ran with it paul k got the same joke and went a completely different direction with it he, he really amped joke. up the camp he got a different joke and like the joke was campy while uh patterson's was kitschy and they both kind of like found a medium for their performances that worked pretty well. Yeah. And I, I don't even think we, uh, like, praised her at all, but um, Shelley Longworth as uh, Chickpea Pow, very good. I very much like her performance. It's 
it's kind of doing a Lucy Liu in the breathiness and sensuality of it, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a weird choice, but... But, you know... I don't know. I think it works. That's what... She she got a third joke, but she was like, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't really a joke, huh? And they were like, yeah, it's funny. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so, Chucky... Charles Chucky Chan, voiced by Rob Rackstra. Um, For this episode. Um, so, yeah, he... Um, so, Rob Rackstra, also a British voice actor. Um, he's He's been doing voice work since for four fucking ever. Um, he's a bunch of characters in Bob the Builder. And another another thing that you're just called to do if you are a British voice actor. It, it sounds like it, yeah. Um, he also that, did Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, he he also did that. Uh, there you go. In the the newest iteration, Thomas and Friends. New Tom. New Tom, who dis? Um, <laughs> it's stupid. it's animated, so uh, ew. It's it's not uh, dumb little puppets. I don't want it. Get out of here. No, no, that's. You took the soul out of it. Good job, guys. Yeah. Don't see them doing that to to Theodore. You know why they're not doing that to Theodore. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, um... (sighs) This voice. This voice. It's uncomfortable. He he got a fourth joke, and unfortunately he went with it. Yeah, I don't blame him for this, uh... This was 2007, and absolutely, we were under the wrong impression this was absolutely okay to do this stereotypical, wizened Asian man voice. Yeah, I mean, he's he's doing a Charlie Chan. He's even got, like, yeah. I did telegraph at the beginning that this is, this is not a Jackie Chan, it's a Charlie Chan. It is, and I don't know, like, that that fourth joke that he got, I don't know why they writ, wrote it in the first place. Like, he he's even got these goddamn fortune cookie sayings that, like, he says to everybody, and it's always a, like, joke. Like, I, I wrote one of them down. Uh, Man who swallows his pride has no room for dessert. Yep. I'm going to assume he has, like, two to three of those every single episode. That's That's got to be. Like, that's his whole character, right? And here's, here's the funny thing. Like, in this episode, he's voiced by Rob Rackstraw because we watched the version that aired on, like, Cartoon Network and Teletoon. <laughs> For U.S. audiences, it was he was voiced by... Fucking Chris somehow, Hardwick! Which is somehow a trade-up because he would not be doing this... Asian stereotype. Honestly, voice. it's a it's a lateral move because it's Chris Hardwick, who is not. He's he's a comedian actor, and I guess, but also, look into his personal life if you want. There's some unfortunate things there. Uh, not going to bring it into the podcast, but it just shows to me like for this show airing in the U.S., they redubbed the character because they knew that it did not fly say with asian audiences yeah and it's, they knew it was bad yeah the it's weird for america to suddenly have a higher standard than than anyone else to be like oh 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 gosh no we can't we can't air that 
at that point, like, all respect to Rob Rackstra, it was a gig, you did what you were told. You, you did your job. But, like, at that point, if you're just going, like, okay, well, uh, we're, we have to redub this one character for the U.S. audiences because this is, this is offensive. Wh- why is the alarm bell not, like, so why don't we just not have the first guy do what he did in the booth? Yeah, because, like, surely when they were, like, shop- shopping this to American channels, surely... At one point, one of the those executives would have been like, mm, "We lo- we like this, we like this silly little show. We'd love to put it on the air. You got you gotta fix that one guy." Like, are you serious? Are are you being serious right now? This is with the, this is you're you're fucking with us, right? I don't know what you're allowed to do in clay, but this right here, no. This this isn't gonna fly. It's. It, it's funny because like with with Chickadee Pow, like there there aren't any like real like stereotypes associated with this character. She's wearing like a historical Chinese kind of dress, and she's got like razor fans, and like Ko Joe, yeah, he's got a Afro pick that he uses as a grappling hook. Like you you could be you you could take that into like what are we trying to say here? Like, but it just feels like everything that associated with the Chucky Chan character is like, oh, this is just stereotype, the guy. Yeah, that's that's just the whole bit. Like Fu Manchu mustache talks in a broken Asian like slang, and also absolutely has like narrowed eyes. Yep. Like he's got like the the this this the slitted eyes, but then he also still blinks. Like looking at this character now in today, like twenty twenty four, it's kind of like the same experience I had when like somebody showed me, you know the you know the fucking awful racist puppeteer Jeff Dunham. I've heard of him. He's got a puppet which is a jalapeno pepper on a stick which has a sombrero and a big mustache and i said and i looked at that someone showed me it's like yeah and i yeah probably and someone showed me i was like telling you great someone showed that to me it's like that's not allowed right like that's not cool we we're like we're rejecting this it's like no, he just sold out a show in 2017 yep. for his racist puppet routine. It's like great. The 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 crowd fucking loves him. I think he, I think he also has like a black pimp character. He does, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Dunham, like what? We we allowed that to slide for way too long. Like, yeah, like that man is a millionaire. Yeah. Oh fuck! Right, the the dead. The, the terrorist. dead. I wasn't gonna bring up the dead terrorist, but yeah. N- no, you have to, because guess what? If you if you go to Wikipedia, that's his Wikipedia photo. Of is course with it the is. Fucking... That's his most popular character. The fucking Arab skeleton. This this dude. This dude is not seeing the light of heaven. <laughs> Absolutely, the fuck not. Anyway, that was a weird tangent. Um. Yeah, this is unfortunate. This is unfortunate that this character is still like, is in this show and is written and designed as he is. 
it's it it was a a bad choice. Everything else here, you can make the. You can make the argument like, no, it it hasn't. It's aged pretty well. Yeah, like, everything other than uh, the character of Chucky e. Chan has aged reasonably well in this like, episode, not, at least. Yeah, it's not great, but it's definitely not like offensive or problematic. Chucky e. Chan is those two things. Yep. So if we can just like erase uh, Chucky e. Chan, this show would be fine. Now I'm kind of curious. I I don't want to like. I'm not that curious, but no, I'm wondering like, what did? I'm, I'm I'm assuming that like Chris Harvick wasn't doing a voice, like right. He he was just talking like Chris Hardwick. I don't know. I didn't find out. I because there's absolutely no way that he's doing a um, Asian accent because that doesn't fix the problem. That's just the same thing again. <laughs> that would just be the same thing, but but a new, uh, a different problem. God, someone's got, like, this, labeled this as Cartoon Network's most offensive show. I find that hard to believe. No, 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 no. I mean, like, right now, on the spot, I can't think of anything worse. But also, it's like, that's not, it's just a, it's really just the one character. Yeah. In this episode, I don't know. Maybe there are other episodes where there's, like, just horrifying stereotypes. I mean, like, K.O. Joe is pushing it a bit. Like, well, yeah, I can, I am open to an argument about that. Yeah, like, he's definitely, with that character, they're doing the thing where they're, like, making a parody of a parody. Yeah, yeah, so it, it's, it's almost kind of, like, wraps around to be nothing, so. Yeah, so it's, like. Like, yeah, he, oh god, his fucking grappling hook is the, is the, the, the comb that sticks out of his afro. Yep, I, yep, I mean. <laughs> you know what, maybe we can just leave uh, Chop Sucky Jokes in 2006 where it belongs. Yeah. 2007, I don't know why I keep calling it 2006. Uh, because it kind of feels like it, the kind of thing that would have come out in 2006. Yeah, 2007 just feels late for it, right? Yeah, weirdly, yeah. I don't know, you kept saying 2007, 2008. I'm like, what? No, this was like 2004. What are you talking about? No, yeah, we were absolutely not okay with uh, Chucky Chan in 2007. We wisened up yet. (sighs) We had not. Honestly, the worst part is, like, it's the kind of character that I think someone would still see nothing wrong with making. Oh, absolutely. Like, there is there is something about Asian characters in American, or North American, and British. You Brits get the fuck back over here. Um, <laughs> I'm not, not done, done with you. you. Uh, like, people who make it, make stories, like, uh, specifically white people telling these, these kinds of stories tend to not see the problem with uh, racism against Asian people. No, and the moment you were to, like, broach the subject, you would get a a legion of conservative uh, commentators saying, like, what, what's so wrong with Chucky e. Chan? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. We all think it's funny. 
Yeah, I'm absolutely okay to relegate the show to the dustbin of history. Yeah. Like, no offense to... No offense to Armin Animation. Well, a little offense to Armin Animation. A little. Animation. Oh, they, can, they, can, they can take the, take the heat for that. Some yeah, of it. They're fine. Yeah, like, and, this and, is... They are, they are pretending they didn't work on this show. I am happy with, like, highlighting... Yes, he did. Yeah, you absolutely had a hand in... Uh, Chop sucky chooks. Yeah. Own that shit. Don't pr- don't pretend you didn't have a hand in Chucky Chan. Don't pretend you didn't have a hand in Chucky Chan. Yeah. Aired man. Anything uh, left to say about Chucky Chan? I mean, chop sucky chooks. I want to see if there's fanfic. Yes, please. Uh, your fanfiction quarter. Uh, I'll take out the broom and push you back into that corner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get in there and tell me, what, what salacious adventures are the Chucks getting up to? <laughs> oh my god, there's more than zero. There's more? Mm. I was not, ex- there's 18! Wait, I'm sorry, that's only rated K through T, it's on fanfiction.net. There's 18! There are no M-rated <laughs> Chopsaki Chucks. Thank God. Thank God, right? <laughs> Thank, God. Thank God. Hey, well, mm, yeah. Okay. Oh no! What are you, What are you doing over there? <laughs> what is this? You're making me nervous. Hey, good news. None of it this is not going to be good new. News. Okay. Okay, but I yeah. am. Okay, yeah. I am gonna call out Ace Rebel Danger Fe- Danger Vest. Because they wrote self-insert. They're, the, you know what? They're romancing K.O. Joe. You know what? I'm kind of like the fourth Chuck. <laughs> it was Jesus. it was written in 2014. Honey. Nobody's that down bad. <laughs> For a chicken. That's another point we can just ha- like hang on right now. Like these don't look like fucking chickens. <laughs> they got they they got real squirt squirt beaks. P- pardon? Is that is that British slang? Squirt, like squirt. Squat and short. So that is British slang. Okay. No, that's just. I think that's just internet slang. I definitely uh. did not invent squirt on my own. Yeah, I'm just... You, you, I mean, you're not wrong. It is absolutely square and short. But, like, they made Chicken Run three years earlier, and they knew how to... They, they knew how... Honestly, maybe that's it. Like, they're they're just saying they're chickens because Ard, Ardman Entertainment... Or Ardman Studios is, uh, is involved. And so they're like, they're chickens, right? These are the people who are famous for chickens, so they're chickens. Like, Chucky Chan... I guess a little bit because he's got the he's got the hairstyle. Yeah, he's got like the the coxcomb. Yeah, exactly. It, you can maybe make the case for that. The other two, what are we talking about? They don't even have beaks. They don't even have beaks. They just have really big lips. Oh, oh. Are you still on the fanfiction page? No, I try. I went to Ao3 to try and see if there were any on on that site. Uh, the answer is no. There is, however, a single fic for Chicken of the Sea commercials. You know, the depths of the internet I... are never not 
amusing and terrifying fan at the same time. Fan fiction is the greatest thing ever created. It's, uh, that's, uh, that's a take, yeah. Fan fiction yeah. is perfection. God, and for some reason I just know that, like, this chicken of the sea fanfic is going to be, like, 400 pages long. I don't know, I, that clicked away. Good. Now, now delete your history and move on. Nope, absolutely uh, not. Alright, I tried. Um, any parting thoughts? Any parting shots at Chop Saki Chooks? I'm happy to, uh, for this one to join Bromwell High in uh, British Copros that I happily forget. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point. We are over two. Yeah. Specifically with mid two thousand trend hopping British co-productions. We we'll need to find something to break that streak sometime. Um, I'm just, I'm just really just. My parting shot is like I'm just let down by this. Like I love martial arts cinema, and I wanted so much more out of a show that is, pro, like, refusing to be a, like, love letter slash inspiration from these like great films from 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. And it's just not. It's just not. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's definitely not as good as it should have been given how much fun you can have with martial arts and animation and a mall setting for fuck's sake yeah do something they really they really dropped the ball on this one yeah you know the real problem is if they had if it was made out of clay it would have been perfect it could have been oh god you could have so much fun with like a martial arts anything made it like actually with clay because then whenever a character punches another there's a satisfying like squish yeah, yeah, you can get like a like an imprint on the body. Like that's that's fun. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Cartoon Night in Canada. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you like what you heard and how could you not, please consider giving us a like, share, review, and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice, preferably Apple Podcasts because that helps us reach the widest possible audience. You can find the show on Twitter at Cartoon Night Pod where we upload new episodes every Saturday. Except when we don't. Yeah, those are the new scenic, uh, like new who, starting now. They're all new scenic. You okay with that? No, we have to take a break for ten years before we can have new scenic. Oh, thank God. Okay, fuck. <laughs> okay. Finally. Anyway. You can find myself on Twitter at Cinema Creep, where I might uh, give out some martial art film recommendations. I'm very not well-versed in the genre, but I know some good ones, so there you go. Wash the taste of chop sucky chooks out of your mouth. Uh, and you can find me at Sylvie Skeletons, where I don't know shit about martial arts films, so I'm just going to be uh, absorbing Chris's